July 31st, Nashville, Tennessee, as promised, Ric Flair will walk that aisle one more time. Guaranteed this time to be the last time. So I've spent the last three months of my life getting ready to kick some ass and prove to anybody that's ever doubted who I am, ever been skeptical of why I got to be where I was, and then are skeptical of what I'm doing right now, by the pay-per-view. I've been the man my whole life. Since 1981, I paid the price, I've blood the sweat, I've cried, I've done it all. July 31st, I'm gonna kick someone's ass. And there's 9,000 people that are gonna stand up and say, fuck, Rick Flair is still the man at 73 years old. And to try and do what I'm gonna do, which is make people hungry for real wrestling. Real wrestling, not shit that's scripted and written down, not stuff you gotta memorize. Shit that you think about your whole life. You live with it. You bring it. The 31st, walking it out. Everybody will be going, holy shit, here he comes. And it, you know why? It's because I'm a big fucking deal. One nature boy. One man. One legend. Forever. Woo! going on guys this is SummerSlam weekend we have arrived we are here it is tonight wwe SummerSlam gonna take place on pay-per-view and on peacock we're all set and ready to go welcome to this very special SummerSlam weekend edition of the main event talk podcast i am the main event player the super secret himself from tours coming back at you the god of my gods the king of my kings the coolest son of a motherfucking bitch Walking God's Green Earth, as I stated before, SummerSlam is tonight. We are ready to check out everything that goes on with SummerSlam. What's going to take place? I'll tell you exactly what's going to take place. We got the undisputed WWE Championship on the line. Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, last man standing. And will this truly be the last time we see these two collide for this championship? 
Also, Dolph Ziggler goes one on. I'm sorry, Dolph Ziggler. The Miz goes one on one against Logan Paul, who will make his in ring, not his in ring debut, but his first singles debut at SummerSlam. It should be interesting to check that out. Also, the tag team titles will be on the line as the Usos defend the undisputed WWE tag team titles as they take on the Street Profits with Jeff Jarrett as a special guest referee. Women's titles will be on the line first. We got SmackDown Women's Champion Liv Morgan to defend her championship against the former champion Ronda Rousey. That's going to happen. And also the rematch. It was one year ago when these two collided. A return took place and the man took it away just like that. And then the big time got hit big at the hands of the EST. And now we got the big time taking on the EST. Bianca Belair taking on Becky Lynch. I'm like, oh crap, what's her name? I forgot, I swear. That's what's going to take place tonight at SummerSlam. We are looking forward to checking that out and much, much more. And we got some stuff we need to talk about, including the review of Death Before Dishonor. What took place last Saturday night? It was an incredible event. I wanted to talk to you guys about that later on in this episode. We're also going to talk about Ric Flair's last match. Yes, believe it or not, the nature boy Ric Flair has one last match left in him. And it's going to take place this Sunday. Well, tomorrow to be exact. And we're, we're, we're going to do a review on that. And we're going to see how fair Ric Flair will do in the ring in his final match. Him and his brother-in-law, Andrade, will take on Jay Lethal and the man who's going to be the special guest referee for the undisputed WWE Championship match between the Street Profits and the Usos, Jeff Jarrett. He's going to be part of that match as well. And there's going to be several other matches in the card that we're going to be talking about and much, much more. Of course, we're going to be talking about several big events. Hey, we got a new podcast coming. We got a new podcast coming, and that new podcast is entitled The Tony Gomez Show. Now, for those that do not know who Tony Gomez is and everything else like that, Tony Gomez, who is the singer for Killamora, who's also the singer for, I believe, Headbangers Ball, I think, and also uh, Fistful of Metal and uh, others in that particular nature. Uh, Tony has been around for a long, long time. Uh, he's been, he was a part of Integrity. <laughs> Anybody remembers that band and everything? I you know I, I don't think I've I've heard of Integrity. I don't think I've ever seen him live. I know my friend Roman has and everything else like that. But yeah, Tony has got a new podcast happening. Uh, it was released, I believe, just last week. And the main event had a chance to listen to it. It's a ten minute clip. You know, not uh, not too big and everything. It's uh, not too bad. Uh, the main event's going to go ahead and play a clip for that later on in this episode so that way you guys can subscribe to the tony gomez show on spotify on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, or whatever it is you find your favorite podcast it's an interesting show and i'm interested to see exactly what tony's going to produce of course he uh he is here he lives here in corpus christi texas and uh i think um we'll talk we'll talk about the tony gomez show as we go along here and also, we'll talk uh, talk about several other big events that are going to be taking place this weekend. There's going to be a UFC event that's going to take place this weekend. We got SummerSlam. We got Ric Flair's last match. We got so much to talk about, and we are going to kick things off with a little bit of music, and then we'll get into some wrestling news and everything else like that on the Main Event Talk podcast. SummerSlam weekend is here, and we are starting things off right. 
Hey, what's going on, Fermentors here? You know, I've always talked about my favorite place in all of Corpus Christi, Rich's Billiards, located over at 1515 Weber, over on Weber and Holly. Now, I know some people have been asking me for the past hmm, several years, why do I talk about this place every single time on my Main Event Talk podcast? Well, good question. You see, Rich's Billiards has been around for over 20 years, and I've been coming to that place for around 20 years. And ever since then, I have been there to shoot pool, to drink beer, to associate myself with some of the coolest people ever, and on occasions to go ahead and mess around with the jukebox from time to time. But not only that, they also have some great live events from some awesome bands that have played over there, including the likes of the Periwinkle Massacre, Shattered Sun, Shy361, and so much more. Not just the local acts here in Corpus Christi, Texas, but also some of the acts from all over the world. Several bands have played over there, including Edema, including Taproot, including Saliva, and a couple of others, just to name. So, if you're in the Corpus Christi area, and if you wanna have a place to eat, drink, socialize, have yourself a good time, Rich's Billiards is definitely the place for you. You can also show up over there, not just to shoot pool, not just to have yourself a good time, but go ahead and check out some of their UFC fights that take place on Saturday nights. Also, they do boxing, they do football, they do basketball, they do hockey. Hell, they even do professional wrestling. And it's most of the time when the main event walks over there. So, if you guys got nothing to do on any night, whether it's a Friday night, Saturday night, Monday night wednesday night head over to rich's billiards and shoot some whole drinks and beer have yourself a good time and try out their food try out the burgers try out the wings try out the fries try out the pizza i guarantee you you'll never want to go to any other place other than rich's billiards here in corpus christi texas 5815 weber and as i always say not your average heroes the legend continues and this episode and this is a sponsored by the Main Event Talk Podcast. I'm the Main Event Player, the Super C, and I approve this message. Okay, so as I mentioned earlier, uh, we talked about the um, the podcast that uh, Tony Gomez has established. So as I'm looking at this right now, I wanted to go ahead and plug this in for Tony because, um, you know, uh, I have several friends that have been doing several podcasts. Uh, uh, one, of them, uh, one of them will be my good friend, um, Steve Scuba, who also does the... Uh, I think it's a gore. Uh, I think a gore, gore. I think I have that subscribed here. I think I may have to look into this. Uh, he does um, some investigation involving, you know, some ghost stories. Uh, he's been going to a lot of houses lately, you know, to, you know, check out any unusual paranormal activity. And some of the stuff he does is usually, you know, it's it's pretty real. It's pretty pretty real. You need to, you know, check out his stuff and everything else like that. It's pretty interesting. So Tony Tony has had uh, this podcast. As a matter of fact, it's been released for a while. As a matter of fact, I'm looking into the title run uh, right here. I'm on my Spotify. I think you could actually get, if you're interested, I think you can get Tony uh, Tony's show on not just Spotify because uh, I think he is an anchor, just like I am. Uh, and if he's on anchor, that means that his show is going to be shown in several different platforms. I know one of them is going to be on Spotify, which I'm looking at right now. There's also another one where you can see it on Apple Podcasts. You can see it on Google Podcasts as well. Uh, Radio Republic, you can see that. Overcast, you can see it. There's several different platforms that you can see and listen to 
uh, when it comes to the podcast. Now, for me, you know, I, I have all those podcasts. I have more episodes and everything else like that so you guys can know what's going on. So to kind of give you an idea, this is what the Tony Gomez Show has. Uh, Tony Gomez Show by Ralph Gomez. It says here, the Tony Gomez Show is going to be about music entertainment and events in my hometown of Corpus Christi, Texas and our world. I'll be talking with local artists and friends about our past today and what's coming next. It's a show about life, entertainment and metal. And (laughs) I couldn't agree more with that one. So the main event, uh, when you look at it, you go, you go to Spotify and that's what I'm looking at right now. Uh, you go to Spotify, you look at, uh, says Tony Gomez show, uh, by Ralph Gomez. And there's two episodes that you see here. Uh, one, and I believe this was released just a couple of days ago. Uh, it's a four minute show. It's called the big show rundown for weeks of July 29th, which, uh, which as a matter of fact, was just yesterday. So this was released on a Thursday. So, uh, and it says here, welcome to the Tony Gomez show. So before we go ahead, before we go ahead and start any sort of podcast, the main event wants to go ahead and give you the preview, give you the shot, give, give Tony exactly what he wants and everything. So if you guys have never heard his podcast and everything, the main event wants to go ahead and give you this opportunity to check out the Tony Gomez show as it happens. Like I said, you can look for it on Spotify, look for it on Apple, look for it on wherever it is you find your favorite podcast it should be interesting. So we're going to go to this one from July 24, 2022. Welcome to the Tony Gomez show. Here's how it starts. <laughs> Hi, welcome to the Tony Gomez show. This is my first episode. On my show, we're going to be talking about local events, some news, uh, upcoming shows, you know, whatever's important, whatever's happening here in the 361. I want to be talking to uh, local artists and musicians about their new music and things that are going on, what they got going on in the future, and other important personalities here in the Coastal Bend. I want to start the episode about talking about my background. You know, the show's based out of Corpus Christi, Texas, and this is my birthplace and this is where I call home. You know, I started back on drums in the summer of 1983 with some friends I went to high school with over at Carroll High School. And these guys were Tom Franco on bass and Chris Pierce on guitars. Chris Pierce later went on to start a band called The Next Big Something. Had a lot of success with that band. Props to you, Chris. Love your brother. And, you know, we never came up with a name for the band, but we did play a bunch of parties and barbecues, and it was a lot of fun. And then, you know, after that, I got started with a band called Aggravated Assault in 1985. And that band had Tim Abel on vocals and Matt McLean on guitars and Albert DeLeon on bass. And, you know, we all kind of lived about a mile from each other. So it was a band made up of just all my bros, man. Everybody I hung out with and we all had the same liking of, of punk rock at the time. And, you know, we played our first show with the uh, thrash metal local pioneers, Annihilator, and that was at the Air Civic Center. So shout out to Alex Dominguez, man, that's my brother. And Alex also went on to jam with me later on in the band Killamora, which we'll get to uh, later on. Anyway, that was the first show that my dad went to go see me play, and also the last one too, (laughs) until my second annual Tony's Twisted Christmas Spectacular last December of 2021. You know, I put this benefit together to raise money and food for the Corpus Christi Food Bank. And, you know, I'd skip a year due to COVID. 
and uh, I'll be organizing another one this year. I formed the Harbor City All-Stars, a band made up of local veteran musicians to rock this benefit show. This 16-piece band has generously volunteered their time and their talent to help out our community. And I have to do a whole show on this benefit and the band members that have made this show so unique and successful. So getting back to my band, Aggravated Assault, you know, we were a punk rock band and we played a bunch of parties and shows and did a few with Brutal Poverty, one of the local favorites here. And shout out to Brutal Richard, Albert and Dan Ruiz and Dan Moya. I love their band name, Brutal Poverty, man. That just freaking kicks ass. So Aggravated lasted through my high school years and we each got jobs to support, you know, one another's need to jam. And eventually our work schedules didn't work out and we stopped rehearsing. So I graduated and I was going to Del Mar College for music education. And I started a New York style hardcore band called Fractured Minority with Chris Aguida on guitars and Ray Barretta on bass. And Arthur Layden was our vocalist. You know, we wrote our own originals and did some covers. And then we did covers from Agnostic Front, like Public Assistance. And we did the G.I. Joe Head Stomp from Sick of It All. And also one of my favorite tracks, Bright Side from the band Killing Time out of New York City. And, you know, at the time I was working as a fry cook at a place called Uncle Chester's Old Crab Shack. And uh, I got that job through my friend David Lozano, who was the drummer for his hypnotic state at the time and eventually became the drummer for thrash metal legends, Devastation. And uh, we both graduated together from Carroll High School back in 89 and we were busting tables at this restaurant. And as luck would have it, I met the love of my life in Uncle Chester's. Her name was Lori Cooper, and she was so freaking hot. And she still is. And, you know, we hooked up, and since then, we've had Jasmine and Stone. And Jasmine has a son named Grayson James Osborne, and he's just so awesome. He's going on three years now, and he's the reason why I got Tony's Christmas Benefit Show going. I just felt so blessed by his presence in my life and I felt compelled to organize a benefit show for my local community because I just wanted to give back. I was just grateful to God. And so now back to my band Fracture Minority, we jammed in a little fourplex apartment home for a couple of months and had the cops show up every time we rehearsed, you know, telling us we had to turn it down or turn it off because the neighbors were freaking complaining all the time. It wasn't long till Arthur got in trouble with the law. He was a skinhead that left the San Antonio skinhead gang called the SA Skins. And we hadn't seen him come to rehearsal and none of us had cell phones. And eventually we heard from someone that he was arrested for stealing a car. And you know, Arthur was unpredictable and he was dangerous, but he was charismatic and he was a good front man for us. And we never heard from him or saw him again. So since, you know, I wrote all the lyrics and practically had them all memorized, I bought a headset microphone and started singing and playing drums. So this three-piece lineup lasted till about 1990. And then uh, Chris Aguirre, our guitar player, uh, found a spot with some guys starting what would be Corpus Christi's first death metal band called Malignancy. Now this band had my friends Chris Gomez on lead guitar and Michael Liao on bass and Tito Galindo on drums. And I told Chris I wanted to jam with them and he encouraged me to try out on vocals. So I said I would and auditioned for them singing for their cover of Body Bag from Obituary's Cause of Death. And, you know, I got the gig and started writing my own lyrics to our own original songs. And, you know, we had titles like Necropolis, Death Barter, and Stay of Execution. And they were able to make it on our only demo, which we entitled Infected and Diseased. 
Our most notable gig in Malignancy was opening for Horsecore Metal Legends Dead Horse at Zeros on their Peaceful Death and Pretty Flowers tour back in 1991. And, you know, also that year when Malignancy went to SA to do a show at the DMZ Club. And shout out to the DMZ Club and all the bands that rocked that bar, man. That was a badass underground old school bar. And, you know, I met Eddie Dominguez with his band Integrity, who also there from Corpus Christi at this show. And soon after, Tito left Malignancy. And, you know, he was still in school, and I think he was only like 16 or 17. And I think his grades were dropping, and his parents made him leave the band. And, you know, we also rehearsed at his house, so we were kind of high and dry after that. Then Lady Luck brought Eddie and I back together at Furs All You Can Eat Buffet Restaurant. I fucking miss Furs. And Pancho Mexican Restaurant, too. I love those places. Anyway, Lori and I were eating, and I noticed Eddie and his girl Melissa were sitting on the other side of the place. And I think Eddie went up to get more food from the order window. It was probably like chicken fried steak. And on his way back, he stopped by our table to say what's up. And he'd asked what I had been doing and if I was singing for anybody. I said I wasn't, and I got invited to join him at his next rehearsal. So it was the following night, and I showed up and met my partner in crime and bandmate for the next 20 years. Mr. Fidel Tagle, a fucking sick-ass drummer. It was just Eddie, Fidel, and I in our first jam, and it was death metal and all original and fucking brutal. I came in after their previous singer, Mark Arispen. Mark Arispen was fucking awesome on vocals. He was the first vocalist for Annihilator also, and he was on Annihilator's first demo and also on their Wild Rag Records release known as the White Album. I went to spend the next 10 years with Integrity from 91 to 2001. And shout out to all this Integrity alumni. I want to shout out to Brian Canales on bass and Emilio Coronado on guitars. The man Fidel Tagle on drums for 10 years. And Oscar Gullien on bass. Ray Los Music Gonzalez on guitar. And my brother Joey Perez on bass. You know, during our tenure, we had three eras. The first being the era of Conquest, which is the title of our first demo with the original lineup of Brian, Emilio, Fidel, Eddie, and myself. And next we had the sick era with Eddie, Fidel, myself, and Oscar on bass. And then we closed out with the playthrough violence era that had Eddie, Fidel, myself, and Joey on bass. And we put out the sick EP around 95 or 96, and the playthrough violence EP came out around 98 or 99. During our 10-year run, you know, we opened for Cannibal Corpse on their bleeding tour. For Acid Bath and Sinister and Cynic and Pyrexia, uh, Immolation, Mortician, Internal Bleeding, and also Texas Diehards like Severance, Crucifix, Imprecation, Pantheon, Crucifixion, Sufferance, and cheers and respect to all the other bands who we had the pleasure to share the stage with. You know, one of my favorite memories of playing its integrity was our final show. We performed for two hours that night, playing our favorite songs from our history. It was like 18 songs said, including our songs Sick and Hammerhead, Halo Blasphemy, Crown of Opulence, Pavement Sweeper, Desecrator, Skinned Alive, and much more. Those 10 years with Integrity really prepared me for my future. I'm going to stop here and continue on the next episode of The Tony Gomez Show, where we're getting more into my Killamore years and much more. So thanks a lot for listening. Leave me a comment or a question. I want you to have a great rest of your day. And remember, you're the master of your destiny and the creator of your own future. I'll see you at the next show. 
uh, we wanted to stop right there. That was the first episode of the Tony Gomez show. So, uh, man, it was incredible just listening to this. I remember when I, when, when I saw Tony put out a new episode, uh, when he f- put out his first episode, I wanted to hear it. I wanted to listen to it and everything. So uh, I, I, I saw that he was under the anchor umbrella and I was like, oh, sweet. So, uh, you know, I, I practically have a next door neighbor because, you know, I, I work through my anchor app and everything else like that. It, it took me a while to understand the podcast. And I think Tony will understand the podcast, you know, all the way too, and everything. So the, the way the way I'm looking at things right now is um, uh, Tony's got a lot of good stuff. And I think with when you got and, and I'll say this because I can, because I love listening to stories that happened so many years ago. And, and you know how you, you always um, and for me myself, you know, I used to love watching uh, until until they pretty much killed MTV. And I'm not and and, and, <laughs> and I want, obviously we'll talk about the wrestling when we can, but I wanted to talk about the music and everything. MTV was the fucking shit a long time ago. Okay, in the eighties it was badass. The nineties it was pretty good, but then all of a sudden there was this thing called reality TV, and they decided to fuck that up. Right? They decided to fuck that up extremely bad. So they bring in this real world crap. It's like, what the fuck is this? What the fuck is this? And here's the stupid part. You know how? And and this is the thing. They call this the first ever reality show. Really, the first ever reality show. You know what the first? You know what the first reality show was? Professional wrestling, because they were actually real. Okay, you figure that out. But anyways, around that time, they used to do. Uh, they did this thing called uh, VH1 Classics, because MTV is still just doing more reality shows and music videos and stuff. They always revert back to some of the old school metal and some of the old school stuff that I used to listen to a long time ago. And they go through these documentaries when they're talking about, uh, you know, the, the uh, behind the music. You know, they did one on Metallica. They did one on Megadeth. They did one on Pantera. They did one on all of these great musicians, right? And, I, you know, I used to love watching and listening to stuff like that because it was pretty interesting. So the Tony Gomez show kind of reflects upon that. And Tony is going back to, you know, his integrity days. And I remember me and, Ro- me and Roman, you know, he would come by my house and I still hang out with the dude and everything. We would be here at my house, you know, just, uh, you know, not only, you know, jam out to some music and everything, but we would also watch a little bit of wrestling, drink some beer, have ourselves a good time and everything. And then we would talk about some of the old days where, because uh, I've been to Zero's and I've been to, you know, uh, the House of Rock, Concrete Street, uh, Johnny Land, um, several places years and years ago and everything. And I was not, um, and I'll be honest because I can, I, I remember EJ's. I was never there, but I remember EJ's a whole lot because I know that's the, that's the place where several of my friends that saw Cannibal Corpse over there. I think it was back in 90, 93, 94, and I think, you know, and I think that was the time. And I think Roman had told me this a while back where he was at the show. Right. But Adam, I think Adam was at the show as well, but he couldn't get in because I guess there was a certain age limit to where if you were 18 you could get in, but if you were less than 18, you have to see the show from the outside, which kind of sucked for Adam, but luckily, for some odd reason, he snuck in. 
<laughs> which is pretty cool. So listening to the show that Tony just put together, I like it. I like it because he's talking about, you know, several of the stuff in the music scene. He talked about Zeros. He talked about uh, uh, his band's integrity. I had no idea he was in a punk band. I had no idea it was in a punk. And Roman hasn't heard this yet, but trust me, because uh, uh, I know that he, because we've talked about Syntegrity many times before. I had heard of Syntegrity years ago. I've never heard their music. And I know somewhere Roman is, probably has a demo somewhere that I haven't heard yet. And it's like, damn, we got to hear it. You know, because I was always, I mean, because I, I knew Tony Moore as the guy that was singing Kilimora. Right. And he also played in, of course, you know, Headbangers Ball, uh, Fistful of Metal and everything. He's, you know, he's um, I mean, he's the guy. And I'll say this because I can. Kilimora is Corpus Christi's version of Slayer. I, I think I think many people have said that to him before, you know, and, you know, in my time, my time was not just about, you know, I, I, my my first exposure to local metal was Abrasion, okay? That That's the truth. That's a, Abrasion. Abrasion was the only band that I knew. I've heard of other bands before. Uh, they never really got my attention at that time. They never re really got my attention, but Abrasion was the band that came along. So then all of a sudden, I think it was the 2000s where I started hanging out with Hector more. Uh, I was around when... I wasn't around for the first Free State, but I was definitely around for the second free state i i was a part of the whole equalize era where we we talked about we you know there was um uh there was three for five there was feedback there was drifted uh, of course free state you know the the third the, and i say the second version because i think the first version of free state was the five-piece band before when abrasion was done my first thought was are you fucking kidding me this would be the beginning of many other things that make people wonder, are you kidding me? You know, Abrasion was gone, and then Periwinkle Massacre is gone. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Why? <laughs> so, there are all these local bands that I've seen in the years. Uh, I've, I've mentioned them all. Um, I've mentioned, uh, I think, Drifted. Uh, like I said, Drifted played here many times before. Um... I remember, I remember, oh, oh, and I got to mention this because, because Tony, Tony had mentioned Agnostic Front. Um, Agnostic Front actually played over here in Corpus. As a matter of fact, I was there, it was at Equalize, I think it was 2004 or 5, I think. I, it, the crowd was pretty big, wasn't like tremendously big, but it was incredible seeing Agnostic Front play over there. It's like, wow, that's fucking awesome. And, you know, I, I've seen many bands before, but my God, when you see a band, uh, obviously the most notorious band, you know, Godfather of Hardcore Metal, uh, Agnostic Front, that's just, fuck, my God. Me and Roman were there when it happened, you know? It's incredible. So, listening to the Tony, uh, to the Tony Gomez show is incredible. It has potential. Uh, obviously, he's got a lot of stories that he wants to talk about and everything. Uh, I can't wait to hear some of his stuff about the Kilimora days and everything, how how that turns out and everything. Because I, I, I have several uh, I have several pictures of um, of Tony and Kilimora on my um, on my Facebook page somewhere because uh, I've seen several. Uh, like I said, I've seen several of his shows in. I you know, Zeros is one. Uh, Riches obviously is another. 
uh, House of Rock, uh, I think, and this, and this was like years and years and years ago. And I had no idea that Killamora had actually had a video. As a matter of fact, we we played a, a song about this on the weekend of WrestleMania, I think, uh, where I saw this. I was like, oh wow, and everything. Oh, and he also he also mentioned on this episode where he he did a. Um, the whole Tony's Twisted Christmas deal. The main event was there for that, as a matter of fact. I was there uh, because I was given the honor of being the host over there, and it was uh, pretty good being, uh, being over there. And you had several of the most incredible artists in Corpus that you'll ever see. Not just Tony Gomez himself, but you had, like, uh, uh, my good friend, Homestar Runner, he was over there, Hector Juarez. Uh, Mark Anthony Pantoja, who also plays for the Southern Revival and who's also played for several other bands as well. I, uh, John Luna, the best drummer on the planet, he wasn't there in a musician capacity, but he was there as a photographer uh, taking a picture of Krampus, I think. And I swear to God, and I'm, I'm saying this because I can. If you've ever seen the episode, and I think I've said this on my on my episode of the Made by Pod, Made of It Talk podcast. If you've seen the episode of G.I. Joe... Right, and if you've seen, I think it was the five-part episode of the five, uh, the Pyramid of Darkness. I think that's what it's called. When you see the first episode, and you see, I think it's the one where they're on Space Station Delta, they're going up. There's this crate, right? There's this crate that I see that has these little fuzzy little things, right? And then all of a sudden, if you blow a whistle at them, they'll t- come up they'll grow into this big gigantic monster and i'm looking at it's like wait a minute where have i seen because I, I, I see krampus right there jo- john luna's taking a picture of krampus i'm looking at him like wait a minute why does that dude look extremely familiar and why am i thinking of a cartoon and that's where it came from trust me go to gi joe go to the pyramid of darkness You'll, you'll see one of these little fuzzy little creatures that look cute and everything. And then they turn into this big monster. That's who you saw at Rich's Billiards at Tony's Twisted Christmas. That's what happened. Okay. But it was incredible. It was incredible uh, being there, being the host. being I only had one job. That was it. That was it. You know. And it was cool being there. Uh, it was a tremendous deal. Uh, I know they couldn't do it the last time because of the whole thing with the pandemic. And no doubt they'll do it again next year over at Rich's Billiards. It's going to be incredible. Uh, he talked about the um, the harbor the ha- harbor harvest. I think that's what they are, right? The the harbor play band. I think you know uh, several musicians getting together and everything. Incredible, incredible. So, man, I I love this show. I like how it went down. Uh, Tony's got some potential over here. He's definitely going to get a lot of listeners coming along here. And it's good the fact that he's doing this on Anchor and everything. So he's kind of understanding how, how this rolls. So uh, big shout out to Tony Gomez and everything. Congratulations on the show. And if you want to listen to his podcast, all you got to do is head over to Spotify. Head over to Anchor. Head over to, uh, to let's see, if uh, and I'm trying to put the platforms together. Let's see, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever it is you find your favorite podcast, you'll find this on one of those podcasts. Now, he's got two episodes. The first one is Welcome to the Tony Gomez Show. That's the first one, which is a 10-minute show. The second one is, and this was released, um, I believe, a couple of days ago. It's The episode is called The Big Show Rundown for the weeks of July 29th through 
August 7th. So that's another part of the big show that you'll see. So get a chance to listen to that episode and everything. It should be incredible and everything else like that. And no doubt the Tony Gomez show will have a lot more to talk about. I can't wait to hear the, I can't wait to hear some of the Killamora stories and everything. I'd like to be, uh, you know, me and uh, Roman doesn't know about his show yet, but I know me and Roman are going to be like, dude, we got, dude, you know, we got to listen to, your, we got to listen to his podcast, dude, you know. And I was there. I was, you know, <laughs> I could actually hear Roman right now. Yeah, I was there. I was there when that, all, all that shit happened. <laughs> he probably was. I mean, after all, uh, Roman was a part of what Ben was Corruptor. Yes, I, I've seen Corruptor many times before, so I know what's up. So big shout out to Tony Gomez show. Like I said before, follow him on on. Uh, let's see, follow him on Spotify. The Tony Gomez show on. Overcast on Radio Republic. It'll probably be on Radio Republic. Um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, <coughs> or wherever it is you find your favorite podcast. And don't forget to check out Tony Gomez's band. Um, I'm not sure if they're having a show this week. They probably will. Who knows? Uh, over at the Black Mall Tavern or maybe at Richard's Billiards or maybe at uh, at Brewster Street. Uh, he, he has several. I don't think... And I've been meaning to ask Tony this for a while. I don't think Killamore is dead, unless 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 he, you know, killed it off like Hector killed off the Periwinkle Massacre. You know, just, <laughs> I'm sorry. That, it, 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 I, well, you can't say it like that. Well, well, what do you expect me to call? It? Like, look, look. Hector had the Periwinkle Massacre. It was there, and then he was about to bring it back to life. And they say, you know what? Fuck it. It doesn't matter. It's Matt's fault. <laughs> Don't ask, don't ask. Don't, I'm not talking about Matt Wood, okay? Get that out of the way. Anyways, uh, like I said, t- uh, check out the Tony Gomez show as you can and also check him out over on um, uh, with his band uh, Fistful of Metal and Headbangers Ball. And I and like I said before, I don't think... Well, if Killamore is killed off, I, I apologize. But if it's not, uh, can we see him at Richard's Billiards, please? One more time. But check out the Tony Gomez show, guys. It should be incredible. Can't wait for the next episode. Uh, most of his episodes so far, uh, one episode, like I said, is 10 minutes. And another one, look, uh, from the looks of it, it's like almost about four minutes. So no doubt most of his episodes are going to be, you know, extremely small and everything else like that. So which is pretty cool. You know, he doesn't have to overboard himself with, uh, with everything. Uh, unlike me, who has to overboard everything because I must because... If I'm not talking wrestling, I'm talking metal. If I'm not talking metal, I'm talking something else. If I'm not talking something else, I'm talking about absolutely nothing at all. But once again, big shout out to Tony Gomez. Tony Gomez show is awesome. Check it out. Listen to it while you can. Follow it and subscribe to it while you can. And leave a comment for him in every way possible. And tell him the main event player, the Super C Kid, the God of a Gods, the King of a Kings, the coolest son of a motherfucking bitch walking God's green earth sent you.
July 29th to 31st in Nashville, gearing up to be a huge event you don't want to miss. Amazing stage shows and live wrestling with shows from Black Label Pro, GCW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and of course, Ric Flair's last match, which has an amazing lineup of talent from all over the wrestling landscape. Headlined by Ric Flair's last match, and you can follow the story leading up to the match over at ricflairslastmatch.com. We've got new episodes Mondays at 6.05 Eastern. For tickets and more information, go to starcast.com. 
Well, guys, we hope you have enjoyed that and everything. Uh, like I said before, get a chance to listen to the Tony Gomez show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Republic, or whatever it is you find your favorite podcast. Uh, I'm like I said earlier. <clears throat> like I said earlier, I'm very, very interested to see exactly how this podcast is going to go. It's going it's to be shaping up to be one hell of a podcast, and I mean, it's going to be. Looking forward to listening to it, as all of you will be listening to it and much, much more. Oh, and also, I must, I must make a correction, and I must apologize at this time. It's not Headbangers Ball, it's Headbangers Pit. That's what it is, Headbangers Pit and everything. So, just wanted to go ahead and get that out of the way before we rolled on to our next abomination. <laughs> okay, now let's get, uh, let's get some stuff rolling over here as far as what's going on in the world of professional wrestling. We've gone through a lot of stuff. Now, there is a couple of things that I do want to talk about. Uh, I have an upcoming episode coming up. Now, the episode now, and, and, and this is going to happen right around Monday on August 8th, and I want to go ahead and get this out of the way as soon as possible. Now, you guys know that uh, I'm a huge fan of the Transformers, and you know that I have always, I love watching the old school Transformers from a long time ago. <clears throat> they released a movie out back in 1986, August 8th of 1986 to be exact, entitled Transformers the Movie. And the main event is go has uh, released an episode. As a matter of fact, I've released about a couple of episodes. One of them was the, uh, I think it was back in 2019 when I first released it. And it was uh, just kind of a short short angle of, um, of everything that I did, right? Uh, just talking about, you know, the, the key players that were involved in the movie and what took place and everything. Right. And then I did a second one where it was just about, you know, you know, I, I guess we did a um, I think what's a, I think it's Transformers movie, but it's an episode entitled I think it's called um, Till All or One. And that's what I did. Now, with me understanding my podcast just a little bit more, you know, <clears throat> just a little bit more. I decided that, you know, fuck it. I'm going to go ahead and do something I've never done before. I didn't do this last year. Because they did a 35th anniversary of Transformers the movie. Now we're at the 36th year. And I decided, you know what, screw it. We're going to go ahead and do something extraordinary. So for the first time on this episode of the Main Event Talk podcast on August 8th, the main event has done. And, and trust me, you're going to like this episode when you listen to this. I have done an entire review of the movie itself. I'm, I'm talking from beginning to end. Okay, like basically you're going to be hearing the, the movie lasts about an hour and 28 minutes. That's how long the movie is. But the podcast, I mean, you're going to hear uh, some key points. You're going to hear some uh, uh, stuff like, uh, like obviously you're going to hear clips from the movie and everything. So you're going to hear the intro. You're going to hear the beginnings. You're going to hear the characters involved, why the characters were involved who was involved, why it took place, and everything. And, and you're going to get it from the beginning of the movie to the end. And if you want to, and I'm, and I'm recommending this to anyone that's watching Transformers the movie, if you watch the movie and listen to the podcast at the same time, and now there's going to be pause, some pausing points, so I'm going to bring that up as soon as possible. There's going to be some pausing points, and there's going to be certain things that I'm not going to bring up that may affect the movie in every way possible. But you got to listen to it. You gotta listen to it because some of the stuff I did, like, you know, basically we'll talk about the beginning of the intro, 
right? The intro of the movie. We'll talk about um, the appearance of Unicron for the very first time. Why the Autobots are over on Moonbase 1 and Moonbase 2 and why they're there. Why the Decepticons have control of Cybertron. Why did they kill off some of the characters involved in the movie? Uh, what's the purpose of Unicron knowing exactly what's going on with the Autobots? How does he have a connection with the, with the Matrix? And also the final encounter between Optimus Prime and Megatron. There are several key points to that that I want to mention and everything. It's interesting. And I love that I'm getting a chance to put all this together in this one episode. And it's going to be released on Monday, August 8th. So when you get an opportunity to listen to it, I guarantee you, you'll be entertained by it. Of course, there's going to be several old school commercials and you're going to be hearing an old school commercial in just a moment about the movie and everything. So you'll know what's up. So get a chance to listen to the episode of the Main Event Talk podcast, the 36th anniversary of Transformers Movie. It's going to be released on Monday, August 8th. There will be an episode of the Main Event Talk podcast in its entirety, but there will be an episode of the Main Event Talk podcast after, you know, I, I do that episode, and then, of course, you know, you get the whole nine yards, so get a chance to watch the movie and everything. And I'm hoping, and I want to do this, I, I think they'll probably do this in September, because uh, they did this last year. Uh, I remember Steve Scuba. Steve Scuba had actually saw Transformers the movie in the theaters. And I know that Transformers has, um, they had decided to bring it back up on the big screen and everything, which is incredible because I want to see Transformers the movie back on the big screen and everything. So if they do it again here in Corpus, I'm going to take off. I'm going to take Roman with me. and We're going to fucking watch that movie on the big screen with a big tub of popcorn and some fucking candy around here. I, I wonder if we can sneak in some beer while we're at it. Anyways, anyways. <laughs> but yeah, check it out. Listen to it. The episode of the Main Event Talk podcast will be released on August 8th on the anniversary of Transformers movie. Listen to it. Get a chance to... Get a chance to watch the movie and listen to the podcast at the same time. You'll be entertained by, by everything that I tell you about the movie. I guarantee you. It's, it's the most fun I've had on this episode. And I guarantee you. A lot of people are going to have fun with this. Transformers movie, of course. You can get it on Blu-ray. You can get it on DVD. Uh, no doubt. Uh, and, and if I can find a VH, the original VHS uh, tape of the movie, I'd like to have it just to have it, you know. Because I'm a huge Transformer collector, especially when it comes to Transformers movie. I have several of, the, several of the Transformer DVDs. I don't have the 35th anniversary one. I need to order that as soon as possible. I need to order it, uh, not just the DVD, not just the Blu-ray, but I also want to order, I think it, there, there's one in, in a 4K Master 4, 4K HD, I think that's what it is, right? Four, uh, a 4K transfer should be incredible. You know, I, I've seen... I've seen Transformers a movie many times before, but each time when I'm looking at it, it looks different and it looks more professional every time I look at it. It looks incredible. It looks incredible. So get a chance to watch Transformers a movie as it happens on August 8th. Night. Well, it's not 1986. I'm sorry, but get a chance to listen and watch Transformers the movie beyond good, beyond evil, beyond your wildest imagination. A new motion picture will transform the summer of 1986 into an incredible adventure. Transformers, the movie. An epic.
epic story of good versus evil, this spectacular animated adventure stars Orson Welles as Unicron, Leonard Nimoy as Galvatron, Robert Stack as Ultra Magnus, Judd Nelson as Hot Rod, and Eric Idle as the Junkion Warrior Rekgar. Okay, let's get right into the whole thing with uh, Ring of Honor that took place this past Saturday night on pay-per-view. The main event had an opportunity to check out the event that took place uh, on pay-per-view Saturday. Uh, I went ahead and bought myself a little bit of beer, you know, just to, you know, kind of roll with the punches and stuff. I really didn't do much on Saturday, so I wanted to check out Death Before Dishonor as it happens. And this was a great pay-per-view. It was a great pay-per-view for so many, in so many levels, you know what I'm saying? Because I had never, um, the last time I saw a Ring of Honor pay-per-view, it took, uh, the uh, the very last time with Ring of Honor, it took place in December when they did Final Battle. Now, Final Battle, as you know, took place in December, which was the very last pay-per-view that Ring of Honor did. Now, they did do another pay-per-view on the weekend of WrestleMania, but the, the main event did not have an opportunity to check it out. Because at that time, on Friday, uh, we were watching the last SmackDown before WrestleMania. And, let's see, WrestleMania was on April 2nd, and then April 3rd. April 1st was SmackDown, right? And also on that same night, was when uh, Ring of Honor had their Supercard, and it also featured uh, arguably one of the greatest tag team matches that has ever happened in Ring of Honor's history when the Briscoes took on FTR for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. We know how that went down and everything, so it was one of the most incredible matches in the history of this industry, and now we get a chance to check it out one more time at Ring of Honor's Death Before Dishonor. Now, that was the very last pay-per-view that they did, but this would be under the regime of AEW. Because keep in mind, when Ring of Honor's final battle came along, that was the very last pay-per-view that they did, and it featured several of the Ring of Honor superstars that were involved. And also, also, and just to go ahead and reiterate on this one, this was when it was under the... There was no AEW. Well, there was AEW at the time, but they really had no say-so in anything that they did. But now with Ring of Honor under Tony Khan and Tony Khan basically, you know, putting the ship together. I mean, this is exactly how it comes out, you know, just like that. But uh, Death Before Dishonor was uh, was a very good pay-per-view. You know, looked at it from head to toe. It was great. So uh, let's look into some of the matches that took place at the Ring of Honor Debt Before Dishonor from this past Saturday. Now, four of the matches that happened took place over on YouTube if you guys had an opportunity to check it out, while the rest took place on pay-per-view. So here are the matches that took place over here. So you had Cole Cabana, who took on Anthony Henry 
Cole Cabana defeated Anthony Hendry uh, via pinfall. The next one was a tag match. It was the Trust Brothers of Ari Davari and Slim J defeated the Shinobi Shadow Squad. And the, the squad consists... <laughs> the squad consists of, and I quote, Cheeseburger and Eli Solemn. Yes, I, I'm not kidding. E, cheese, what? It, it's, I know who Cheeseburger is, okay? I've seen him, but it's so funny that this man is called Cheeseburger. Cheeseburger, I might add. And also the fact that he's a black man. Surprised he's not called fried chicken. But anyways, we don't want to get into any racial discussions on this episode of the Mayvet Talk Podcast. We're leaving it alone, okay? Leaving it alone, all right? Walking away. Okay. Uh, this next one was a six-man tag team matchup. Now, this was originally supposed to be, I mean, it is scheduled how it is and everything, but as the old expression goes, card subject to change. So Brian Cage and the Gates of Agony were originally under the tutelage of Tully Blanchard and Tully Blanchard Enterprises. But an old face from Ring of Honor came out named Prince Nana came in and basically made them into the embassy, which was incredible because, you know, uh, Prince Nana, a Ring of Honor original who had been around the company for so many years, and now he has acquired the assets of Brian Cage and the Gates of Agony, so they're now known as the Embassy, and they defeated the team of Alex Zane, Alex Zane Blake Christian, and Tony Debit via pinfall. And then uh, the next match, which will also be the last match on YouTube, Willow Nightingale defeated former NWA Women's World Champion Allison Kay. Great match. Great way, and Allison K has has a great ass. I'll, I'll, I'll call it like I see it, folks. Okay, just like how it is. Okay, so the YouTube the zero hour was done. So now we go into the next mark, which would be the the beginning of the whole thing with death before dishonor. Now uh, it, it was so funny because the production of you of um, of Ring of Honor's. Death Before Dishonor is much different than any production I've seen. But when you think about it, I mean, it's under the AEW banner, okay? I'm surprised they didn't put, like, uh, you know how when, you know how when you see certain wrestling events and they often start off with, uh, please ignore the sound that you hear in the background. They're just dumping trash. That's all you have to know. Uh, I don't know why my relatives are still out there, but that's fine. But anyways. Okay, so um, normally a wrestling pay-per-view, when it shows up, you would see the opening card, right? You would see the opening card. You would see how it goes. Like, you know how you see the um, the opener, where you see, you know, all the stars from Ring of Honor coming together. You would see, like, a little music video. The opener would last about two minutes and everything. No, this is basically an AEW production because they went straight to the match. And they went ahead and you know, didn't, didn't stop for anything. So they went ahead and got the first matchup and the first matchup, believe it or not, was for the ring of honor world heavyweight championship. That's right. So Claudio Cascinoli would take on the champion, Jonathan Gresham. Now in this match, 
uh, as I mentioned earlier, Tony Blanchard would have been a part of this match because he was under the tutelage of Jonathan Gresham. Or Jonathan Gresham was under the tutelage of Tony uh, Tully Blanchard. But for whatever reason, uh, unless we can find out what was the real reason why uh, Tully Blanchard was not there, Ring of Honor, uh, maybe brought up somewhere down the road or maybe in a couple of weeks or, or, or maybe maybe sooner, who knows. But anyways, this matchup uh, between him and uh, Jonathan Gresham and Claudio was an incredible match. It was an incredible match. It was uh, pretty much under uh, – it was a 10 – what was it? it? Oh, actually, it was. It was around uh, almost under 12 minutes and everything. It was about 11 minutes and 30 seconds. It was an incredible matchup, but not as incredible as what I'm about to tell you. Ladies and gentlemen, we had have a new Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion, and his name is Claudio Cascinoli. <laughs> the, artist, the artist formerly known as Cesaro. Who would become a part? Who would now become in the same level as Brian Danielson, CM Punk, Samoa Joe, Jonathan Gresham, Cody Rhodes, and the list of many that have been the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion? This is just incredible. And from the moment, from the moment I saw what took place with um, with Claudio, I admit that I wasn't expecting that. But I was glad. I was glad. But but then again, when I think about this, uh, I think I made this prediction. I said that it would be great if Claudio were to go ahead and become the become the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion because that's something that ha- that needs to be done. That shows everyone that the change is coming in professional wrestling, and this is how it went down. So you've got Claudio, who became the champion, who won it, and now he can actually put his name up there with everybody else and say that he is unquestionably the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion. Big congratulations go out to Claudio for winning the championship. Jonathan Gresham and Claudio put on an incredible matchup, and hopefully we'll see the rematch between these two somewhere down the road. And there is a bit more information in regards to the whole thing with Jonathan Gresham, which we will talk about later on in this episode for the Main Event Talk Podcast. Now... Okay, the next matchup that took place at Death Before Dishonor. Let's look into the bill here. Uh, the next one was um, a six-man tag team match for the Ring of Honor Six-Man World Tag Team Championships. The <laughs> This was crazy because the champions at the time were the Righteous, and they lost to the, the team of Dalton Castle and the Boys. Yes, the Boys, ladies and gentlemen, the Boys. That actually have names here, Brandon Tate and Brett Tate. Brent Tate. I wonder if they're related to Jeff Tate. Anyways, <laughs> new Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, uh, new Ring of Honor six-man World Tag Team Champions right there. Big congratulations go out to Dalton Castle and the boys. The next one was for the Ring of Honor Pure Championship match. Wheeler Yuta taking on... Daniel Garcia, this is an incredible match. I loved how this went down. It was uh, good from head to toe. I am so impressed with Wheeler Yuta. Now, the thing is, and I I want everyone to keep in mind here, Wheeler Yuta is a tremendous athlete, and I'm glad that he is away from the best friends and 
Orange Cassidy and that whole clown show because he really doesn't need to be a part of that whole situation. I mean, he's better off without him. And look what look, look what has happened to him. He has been with the Blackpool Combat Club alongside with John Moxley and Brian Danielson and a few others. He's become Ring of Honor World uh, World uh, Pure Champion, and I believe he took it on uh, on the SuperCard, right? On the SuperCard for. Um, uh, Ring of Honor and everything, and it's been an incredible year for him. So he had a matchup with um, Dan- Daniel Garcia. Uh, I like the history that happened between these two years ago. Daniel Garcia, as you know, is a part of the uh, Jericho Appreciation Society, so you know how that shit rolls. So uh, this matchup, Wheeler Uta retained the championship and defeated Daniel Garcia. Incredible match, and I would love to see this matchup happen once again. This is a matchup of brothers right here. Uh, Roosh defeated Dragon Lee in a singles match right here. Mercedes Martinez defeated Serena Deeb. This is another incredible um, women's world championship match. Digged it, loved it, and everything. Samoa Joe. These, these two were the main matches right here that I wanted to check out the most. Samoa Joe defeated Jay Lethal. This was an incredible match. I loved how this went down. This is one of these things where it becomes a fight. And the thing is that I love is I don't often want to see, you know, I don't often get a chance to see certain matches that look like it's about to go down and it's a fight to the finish. And I want to see what happens at the very, very end, right? It doesn't often happen that way, but when it does, it comes out good. It comes out right. It's everything you ever expected, much, much more. So Joe retained his championship, definitely, against Jay Lethal, but no doubt this whole thing with Jay Lethal and Samoa Joe is probably not over by a long shot and everything. Now, Jay Lethal is going to be a part of something uh, later on this weekend because as we, uh, and as you heard at the very beginning of the show, Ric Flair's last match is going to consist of Andrade and Ric Flair to take on Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, which we will talk about later on at the very end and conclusion of this episode of the Main Event Talk podcast. Now we're down to the last and final match. And this was a toss-up because they wanted to either have the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship to take place first, or they wanted to do the tag team titles and have them uh, last. You know, ha- have this have this be the main event or have the World Heavyweight Championship become the main event. They went ahead and flipped the coin. Who won? Well, this match right here. For the two out of three falls match for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship, FTR took on, uh, took on the Briscoes. And my prediction on this, uh, pretty much, I think it came true. It came aligned a little bit. I said that if this matchup takes place, if this matchup takes place, what's going to happen is this match, it's going to end up in the first fall. It's going to end up in the side of the Briscoes. The Briscoes are going to do whatever they can to hold on to that championship, and they did just that. Now, in the second fall, obviously it's going to end up in the favor of FTR. Now, there was a little bit of an injury that took place at the hands of, uh, I believe it was, I believe it was Dax. I believe they got hurt a little bit, but this was incredible to watch. Uh, 
FTR had outsmarted the Briscoes in the second fall and won the second fall. And it was incredible. It was incredible to watch. So it all comes down to the final fall. The FTR won the second fall. And it all comes down to the last and final fall. This lasted almost 42 minutes into the match, which was good. Which was good. And the crazy thing was this was not even... This was not even a four-hour event. This was mostly a three-hour event. And even though the event started around 6 o'clock, this show ended around 10 o'clock, which was appropriate, which was just right. The main event had the beer, had everything all set, ready to go. I loved how this match went down. The la- the match lasted about, let's see, 43 minutes and 25 seconds. FTR retains the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles, earning the respect of the Briscoes. And now all that's left is for Ring of, for the, uh, for FTR, I'm sorry. All that's left is for FTR to head over and go after those AEW World Tag Team titles, maybe somewhere down the road. But, oh, but wait, it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. No, it doesn't, because the next thing that took place was right after the match was over, an appearance by members of the Blackpool Combat Club. So they appeared, uh, Cesaro, or I'm sorry, Claudio, the new Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion, and the pure champion, Wheeler Yuta. Now, these two would make a great team. Now, they're not going to become the best tag team in the world, but they'll definitely have their hands full at the hands of FTR somewhere down the road. Now, let me also keep this in mind here. Uh, FTR, who have been one of the greatest tag teams of all time, they are truly over with the fans. The fans love the hell out of FTR. I've been digging FTR for quite a while. They have been one of the greatest tag teams of all time, and they are continuing to show why they are unquestionably the best world tag team champions going today, whether the Young Bucks like it or not. That's how it rolls. But I can't wait to see how this happens with the FTR and the Blackpool Combat Club. They're going to be in for one hell of a fight. Should be interesting to check out from here on out. Ring of Honors. Final. I'm sorry. Ring of Honors. Death Before Dishonor was an incredible, an incredible event. Hopefully you guys can get a chance to check out the Encore presentation. Get a chance to check out the replay and everything. It'll be well worth it. Uh, they did the media scrub, which I didn't have a chance to look at it, and I really didn't want to look into it or any way possible because I wanted to see I wanted to see the wrestling. I didn't want to see the press conference that happened afterwards, okay? Unless you're paying me big bucks to see the press conference, uh-uh, it's not happening no way, no how, never. I just want to review this show, and that's it, and move on to my next abomination.
Okay, guys, this is it. The final SummerSlam report right here on the Main Event Talk podcast. SummerSlam is just a few hours away, and the Main Event's going to be looking forward to checking that out and much, much more. I was uh, I was going to actually try to do a separate epi- episode as opposed to trying to, you know, make stuff up and everything else like that, the way this is all being set up. But SummerSlam is happening later on tonight. So just to give you guys an idea of what's about to take place this weekend, there's going to be several big wrestling events that are going to be happening. As a matter of fact, there's probably uh, a couple of other wrestling events that are going to be taking place. I know uh, supposedly New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I think that was mentioned here earlier, uh, that New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to be having a, a show. Or GCW is going to be having a show. New Japan Pro Wrestling is supposed to be having a show. Uh, there are several things that are going to be happening on SummerSlam weekend, but the main focus that we're going to be talking about is SummerSlam, and that's the big deal right here, right now. We've talked everything that we need to talk about. So now let's get into the entire card. Now, there is one match added, and then there's one match that has been changed. So let's talk about all of these matches individually. Now, on the top of the card, we got Logan Paul going one-on-one against The Miz. This will definitely be a show to check out, a match to check out. Um, obviously, the winner in this match is going to be Logan Paul. I'm going to go with this match because I think um, I think in certain ways, uh, Logan Paul needs to get the win. I think Tommaso Ciampa is going to find find himself involved in this whole matchup and... Uh, 
it's going to end up like that, like that and everything. Oh, and also I need to remind everybody because now with SummerSlam happening, this, and, and, and I'll say this because it's been out there, it's been out in the news for a while. For the first time, SummerSlam is going to be under the tutelage of Triple H. That means there's, there's not going to be anything that Vince McMahon's going to be involved in in any way possible. Unless, unless there was something on the card that he needs to get into and everything else like that. With Vince McMahon retired, Triple H running the show, Stephanie McMahon being the chairwoman of WWE, uh, and, and with a lot of other changes that are going to be happening, this will be a TV 14 show. So it's going to be interesting to see how this SummerSlam is going to come out. I mean, how the wrestlers are going to react to it, how the, the new regime is going to react to it, how the sponsors are going to act to this, how everything is going to react to it. So it should, it should be interesting. So as I, I mentioned, Logan Paul to win over The Miz at SummerSlam. Hopefully that gets down to it. The next matchup here, Liv Morgan going one-on-one against Ronda Rousey for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. Now, I'm going to go ahead and make this prediction. I'm going to go ahead and say Liv Morgan is going to walk away with the championship, and here's why. There's been uh, several rumors and speculations. We know about Ric Flair's last match taking place, uh, and we're going to talk about that at the very end of this episode of the Mavit Talk podcast because we're going to talk talk more about some of the matches that are going to happen on there as well. We talked about Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey in this match. It's going to be a good match. I think Liv Morgan is going to surprise some people. I think Ronda will surprise some people in this match. And also, the big surprise, and it won't be a real surprise when you think about it, and I think this is going to happen. Liv Morgan's going to win over Ronda Rousey with the interference of Charlotte Flair. We have not seen Charlotte Flair since Backlash, WrestleMania Backlash to be exact. So we're thinking that uh, I think Ronda, there's going to be a feud happening between Charlotte and Ronda somewhere down the road, which will leave the option open to have Liv Morgan defend the SmackDown Women's Championship just a little bit while longer against different opponents. Now, what I think will happen, obviously Liv Morgan's going to win this match. You can automatically see that coming. But also, I think Liv Morgan is going to hold on to the championship for the next couple of months. But I think she should lose it. If, and I, I, I could be wrong. I don't think... Because uh, I, I, I highly doubt she'll hold on to the championship until WrestleMania. If she, she can lose it at the Royal Rumble next year, or she can lose it at Survivor Series this year, we don't know. But one thing's for certain, Liv Morgan's definitely going to walk out with the championship against Ronda Rousey, and Charlotte Flair will definitely play a major role in this one. The next matchup for the United States Championship, Bobby Lashley go one-on-one against Theory. Now, ho- hopefully the first thing that I see is we eliminate we eliminate the Theory gimmick and bring back Austin Theory. Can we call him Austin Theory? Can we let this man be Austin Theory for one time? Please. We don't want to call him Theory anymore. Stupid. Now, this one, as much as I'd love for Bobby Lashley to retain the United States Championship, this is going to be tough, but I think Theory should win the championship. Because even though he is Mr. Money in the Bank, which I'm going to give you my ideas as to what I think will happen at the conclusion of this SummerSlam report, um, I think Bobby Lashley should walk away with the championship, but I think it's going to be mostly Austin Theory. I think Theory is going to walk away with the championship. I think the smart move is for Theory to hold on to get the championship, 
to still keep it intact and everything. And we're going to see how all this goes. So should be interesting. As much as I'd love Bobby Lashley to win it, I think Theory is going to be the one to walk away with the United States Championship. You almost see that coming. You know it's almost going to come. And you also have to keep in mind, Theory has a lot of people angry at him. Everybody from Madcap Moss to Dolph Ziggler to AJ Styles to Bobby Lashley to Brock Lesnar to Roman Reigns. I guarantee you it's, it's going to be interesting to see how all this rolls out in every way possible. So Theory may walk away with the United States Championship. Bobby Lashley probably will not, but we'll see what happens. Now, the only reason why I say that, Bobby winning the United States Championship would be easy. It would be great. But I think Bobby should be added somewhere down the road as the next man to take on the United States Champion, right? Or take on the WWE Universal Champion somewhere down the road. I mean, that, that could happen. That could happen, but we'll see how it goes. Now we know that we know that football season is coming very very soon, and we also know that um, I believe it's going to be on August fourth, and I think I read this out. Um, I believe it's going to be the Las Vegas Raiders to take on. I think it's the Jag Jacksonville Jaguars. I think I could be wrong. That's going to happen on August fourth on the Hall of Fame, on the NFL Hall of Fame uh, show. I think that's what's going to happen. Reason why I'm mentioning this up is because this next matchup is all related to football, even though both even though both guys had played on the same team, the Indianapolis Colts. Pat McAfee to go one on one against Happy Corbin. Here's what I see in this match. First of all, if Happy wins, I'm going to be pissed off. Okay, I'm going to throw my beard at the television and say, "You fucking bastards." Why would you allow this man to win? Coming out looking like a fucking broke-ass version of Don Juan DeMarco. Wearing a hat that doesn't match his socks. Are you fucking kidding me? Pat McAfee, these individuals, they have a story that goes along with this. And, and this talks about them being a part of the NFL, them being a part of the Indianapolis Colts years ago. And then, of course, you know we know what happened with uh, Happy Corbin, and we also know what happened with Pat McAfee in both of their respective careers. The only difference is that I think Pat McAfee has more passion for professional wrestling than Happy Corbin does. And also, you also have to think about this. Pat McAfee was trained by Rip Rogers, okay? We know about that story. Happy Corbin, yes, he, he started as the lone wolf in NXT, okay? And I'm not saying he sucks. He's a tremendous worker. I dig what he does. Now, how this match should be set up, I think Pat McAfee should win. Simple as that. But also in a certain crazy way, and, I, I, and I'm going to read into this, and I think you're going to see this develop at SummerSlam later on tonight. I think Happy Corbin should probably win over Pat McAfee, and let me explain why. Let me explain why, because I know some people are already jumping up right away saying, oh, you want Happy Corbin to win when you just picked Pat McAfee? No, I didn't pick Pat McAfee just yet, okay? I kind of suggested at this point. Now, my reasons is, if Happy Corbin beats Pat McAfee, say that happens at SummerSlam, you can escalate this feud further into Clash of the Castle. Now, Clash of the Castle is going to happen in September 3rd in uh, on Saturday, 
Okay, it's going to be right back to back with AEW's All Out. That's what's going to happen. Now, here's the thing. If Pat McAfee were to lose to Happy Corbin, it would be bad, but also it would be good because now you get this feud to go even further, you know, escalate it even further at Clash of the Castle. Make it interesting. Now, if Pat McAfee and the WWE and Happy Corbin want to go along with that, that'll work out just fine. I love for Pat McAfee to win. I love for that to happen because if it happens, uh, the chapter will close. It'll be over, storyline done. We don't have to deal with it anymore. But if Happy Corbin were to win at SummerSlam, we could actually see this feud going just a little bit further, and it may end up at Clash of the Castle, but we'll see what happens. So Pat McAfee, I'm going to go with Pat McAfee to win, but don't be surprised if Happy Corbin were to win this match. This one's going to be very, very interesting. It's going to be, this one was just added, no disqualification match. The Mysterios, Dominic Mysterio and Rey Mysterio to take on the Judgment Day of Damian Priest and Finn Balor with Rhea Ripley in their corner. Now, let me explain something about this one. Now, the interesting thing about this is we have not seen the appearance of Edge yet, but he may appear soon. He may appear as soon as possible. Now, the thing that you have to understand about this match the thing that you have to understand is we don't know exactly how this is going to work. You know what I'm saying? Like, everyone's been talking about Dominic Mysterio turning on his father. Rey Mysterio just celebrated 20 years in this business, okay? Well, he's been around the, he, he's been around the professional wrestling business for a long, long time, but he's been with the WWE for over 20 years, and they're already talking about, oh, Rey Mysterio should turn on his own father. No, no, I don't want to see that at all. I don't want to see that at all. And the anticipation is really growing upon the fans that want to see this happen. So let me kind of give you an idea as to how this should work. Now, I agree. Now, I would love for the Dom, uh, for the Mysterios to beat the Judgment Day. I'd like for that to happen. But I think what will happen is the Mysterios may get beat by the Judgment Day. And hold on. Hold on. I know some people are going to jump on me in this right away. The Mysterios get jumped by Judgment Day right after the match is over. And then we finally get the appearance of Edge. But say Edge comes out, right? But Edge doesn't come out in his normal, on this day, I see, well, you'll hear that, but he'll come out as the Brood. He may come out as the original Brood. Remember when Edge came out at SummerSlam over a year ago? And he came out to the brood music and he came out, you know, dressed in red and black and everything. And, you know, coming out looking like he looks and everything. Incredible. It was one of the most incredible things I've seen in Edge. Because, look, I expect several big surprises to happen at SummerSlam. And this is going to be one of them. I think Edge will come. I think Edge will show up. I think he'll do something with the Judgment Day. And there's going to be a feud escalating between the Judgment Day and Edge. So we'll see how it goes. Now, as far as Mysterious goes, we don't know. We don't know. I would love for the Mysterios to win, but it's going to end up the Judgment Day winning, and then a big surprise will happen afterwards. But we'll see how all this takes place at SummerSlam. 
Another tag match going to take place for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship with Jeff Jarrett as a special guest referee, the Usos. Jimmy and Jey Uso to take on the Street Profits of Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford. This is going to be one of the most incredible matches I'll, you know, that I'm going to check out. Now, just last week, and we talked about this on the report, FTR and the Briscoes put on a clinic, put on a wrestling show, put on one of the best tag team matches ever. Now, this will not live up to the standards of the Briscoes and the Street Profit, uh, of the Briscoes and FTR, but it's definitely going to be ranked up there with them. Because let's face it, the Street Profits and the Usos are two of the best teams going and two of the most recognized teams in all of WWE. Now, here is how I see it. Number one, we're Nashville. Number two, the Usos have been champions for almost a year almost a year we're going to get to that point but if they win it's not going to be surprised if the usos win not going to be surprised at all but i think things need to change up and this leads more up to clash of the castle i think the street profits should become the smackdown uh, the undisputed wwe tag team champions they should win it at SummerSlam, and then get the rematch at clash of the castle on september 3rd I think that should happen. You know, that's my opinion. So I'm thinking that Jeff Jarrett is going to do everything in his power to be the special guest referee and be good at his job. And if the Usos were to somehow be victorious, that won't be a big surprise. But if the Street Profits were to win and become tag team champions themselves, this will be good. You can escalate the feud further and you can take it further out to clash the castle because we may see that happen. We may see the Usos take on the Street Profits at Clash of the Castle in September 3rd of Saturday. Should be interesting to check out. Cannot wait to see it. The next matchup, uh, we talked about the SmackDown Women's Championship. How about the Raw Women's Championship? This will be interesting. Bianca Belair taking on Becky Lynch. Uh, this has been an incredible match. Um, it was one year ago when the man showed up. Bianca Belair was scheduled to have a match with Sasha Banks. Didn't happen. Then all of a sudden, here comes Carmella. Carmella comes in, and then here comes the music of the man. The man shows up, comes in, beats Bianca Belair in 26 seconds, and takes the SmackDown Women's Championship. Then you go further, you go forward into WrestleMania. These two compete for the championship, could compete for the Raw Women's Championship at that time. Bianca Belair defeated Becky Lynch at WrestleMania and took her down. Now, this is where everything is going to count now. Becky Lynch took the championship away from Bianca Belair in 26 seconds. Bianca Belair took the championship away from the man at WrestleMania. Now it all culminates at SummerSlam because now Bianca Belair will get an opportunity to erase what happened last year at, at SummerSlam. She will erase the 26 seconds that happened at SummerSlam. But the question is, can it happen? The main event's prediction, Becky Lynch is going to be a great champion, but not yet. 
because right now, I think Bianca Belair needs to beat Becky Lynch. This match will probably last about a good maybe 10, 15 minutes. I'm looking for Bianca Belair to walk away with the championship and Becky Lynch to go on a hell-raising tour. Yes, she's going to go completely nuts, completely insane, and lose her fucking mind because she won't know who the fuck she is. And hopefully, hopefully in the next few weeks, we may see Becky Lynch try to start a feud with Ronda Rousey if that comes along because we know people have been skeptical about seeing Becky versus Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania We hope that happens very, very soon. But as far as SummerSlam goes, Bianca Belair to retain the Raw Women's Championship as she defeats Becky Lynch. All right, guys. We're down to the last and final match right here. Now, before we talk about that, uh, uh, allow me to go ahead and mention what may possibly happen at SummerSlam. Any unofficial matches that may take place at SummerSlam. Because uh, we know we got eight matches on the card, no doubt. And it's supposed to be a four-hour event. So no doubt there's probably going to be some more matches added. We could see the Intercontinental Championship be on the line. Uh, we could see an extra match added to there. We could see some spectacular surprises that may take place at SummerSlam. So expect that to happen later on tonight at SummerSlam. Expect some big celebrities to be involved. Uh, this is going to take place over in Nashville, Tennessee. No doubt the uh, no no doubt the Tennessee Titans will probably be there with football coming along and everything. We will probably see. We will probably. You know what? You know what? <laughs> oh God! And this is something I don't want to think about, but it may happen. What happens if Vincent Man shows up at SummerSlam, but he's not there as a a boss? He's there as a fan. <laughs> I don't think that will happen, but hey, was hey, hey, look up to hey, is that Vince McMahon? What the fuck is he doing up these right there up there with the Titans? Yeah, I'll do it, pal. Yeah, my pair go away. <laughs> oh, god, but um, <coughs> okay, let's talk about the last match. Let's talk about Roman Reigns. Let's talk about Brock Lesnar. Now, if you guys want to. You can go over to uh, one of my WrestleMania. It's called the WrestleMania Bonus. It's the match with Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. Now, I did an entire history of Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar on this one episode. And I talked about everything leading up to what would take place at WrestleMania, now taking place at SummerSlam. Now, it all started with the Rumble. 2015, Roman wins the Universal Championship, or Roman wins the Royal Rumble, I'm sorry. He wins it, and then he gets an opportunity to go face-to-face with the Beast Incarnate himself, Brock Lesnar. Now, then comes the interview, the interview that started it all, where you see Paul Heyman right there having a discussion with Roman Reigns And Brock Lesnar on the other side. At that time, Brock Lesnar was with Paul Heyman. Then came WrestleMania. WrestleMania 31. Brock Lesnar took Roman Reigns to Suplex City. And then after that, Roman Reigns took him to Spearville. 
And then Seth Rollins came in for the save and basically take the WWE Championship away from Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, leaving this match no contest. Even though Seth Rollins won, it's a no contest. We go further into SummerSlam where there was a fatal four-way match for the Universal Championship that took place. Everything went down, right? Brock Lesnar would win, and who would he beat? Roman Reigns. Now, we would go further. Go further to WrestleMania. WrestleMania 34, where these two men competed against each other once again. For the Universal Championship, Roman Reigns would lose to Brock Lesnar. Then the Royal Rumble comes along, the greatest Royal Rumble ever, in a steel cage match with Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. And even though, despite the fact that Brock Lesnar, or I'm sorry, Roman Reigns got out of the cage and hit the floor first, Brock Lesnar walked out, hit the cage, and won the championship. So that was under controversial context. Then you had SummerSlam of 2018, where Brock Lesnar finally lost the Universal Championship to Roman Reigns. Okay, now we flash forward. Brock Lesnar had left the WWE. Roman Reigns had left because of COVID. And then Roman all of a sudden returns in 2020, looking to re- looking to establish his new head of the table, his new dominance as the uh, the tribal chief. He would win the Universal Championship, and he would go on this undefeated streak, and he would hold on to that championship for longer than any champion in the history of WWE. Then Brock Lesnar would return. He would come back. Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns would meet up against each other again at Crown Jewel. Roman Reigns would beat Brock Lesnar again. Then a match that was supposed to have happened at day one ended up not because Roman Reigns had COVID-19, but then Brock Lesnar would walk away with the WWE Championship at day one, and then comes the Royal Rumble, where Brock Lesnar would lose the Universal Championship, or sorry, the WWE Championship, because of Roman Reigns, while Roman Reigns was still holding on to the Universal Championship, but then lost to Seth Rollins, which that will happen in itself. Roman Reigns thought that he had his had his deal done with Brock Lesnar, but then Brock Lesnar would come back, win the Royal Rumble, and move on to WrestleMania. And then comes WrestleMania. The head of the table, the tribal chief, Roman Reigns, to, be, to face off against Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship and for the WWE Championship. And the prediction I made was that Roman needed to walk away with the championship. It needed to happen. They need to establish this already big star up against the bigger star in Brock Lesnar. There were a couple of mistakes that happened. There were a couple of things that took place. Brock Lesnar lost to Roman Reigns, and that would be it. Now, this SummerSlam, now, unlike the WWE, they will not mention what was the original SummerSlam. But I will. The original SummerSlam match was scheduled to be Roman Reigns taking on Randy Orton for the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. But due to injury, Randy Orton can't do it. So now it's all up to Brock Lesnar once again. Yes, it is tiring to see this. And yes, we don't want to see this ever again. But there's nothing the WWE can do about it at this point. 
We're here. It's now. Roman Reigns taking on Brock Lesnar. Last man standing match for the undisputed Universal Championship. Now, let's look at the credentials here. One side, Roman Reigns, who is already almost at his 700th day as Universal Champion. He's almost there. I don't think he's there yet, but he's almost there on his 700th day as undisputed Universal Heavyweight Champion. He's looking to be the last man standing. And also, and let's also keep this in mind, and I want to go ahead and get this out of the way as soon as possible. Roman Reigns does have experience in last man standing matches. Brock Lesnar, I, I can't recall when he had a last man standing match in the WWE. So technically, this will probably be his first. So I think what will happen at SummerSlam. We already know that Drew McIntyre had already defeated Sheamus, and now he's awaiting the winner of this match between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Now, the main event is not going to give you his answer. As a matter of fact, all I'll tell you is it's going to be one hell of a match. But there's going to be a lot of things that are going to happen in this match that we're all going to be looking forward to checking out. What's Roman going to do? What's Brock going to do? And the the effect, the factor, the, the idiosity factor, if you will. How about Austin Theory? We know he's Mr. Money in the Bank. We know he got bitched out by Roman Reigns, saying that his daddy's not here anymore. Brock Lesnar beat the hell out of Roman Reigns, made him look like a little fucking bitch. And Theory is still trying to come at like a cockroach and wanting to go ahead and cash in on his money in the bank, whether it's on Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar. Now, I said this at the top of the program. I said this on the SummerSlam report that Austin Theory will walk away with the United States Championship. But if he tries to cash in that money in the bank, I guarantee you he will not be successful. It will not happen. It will be done and over with because, honestly, he doesn't deserve to be Mr. Money in the Bank. Now, I'm not saying he deserves to have success, but I don't think he should be Mr. Money in the Bank. He needs to lose it and remain United States champion. Because right now, we don't need this guy. We don't need Theory to become the champion. We just need him to be the United States champion, continue the run that he's doing, and become a star in the making. But don't become a star, don't become a star at the expense of Roman Reigns or at the expense of Brock Lesnar, because these two grown ass men will beat the living shit out of you, even if you get them down for the count. So that will be my theory, as far as I'm concerned. SummerSlam is shaping up to be one hell of a tremendous event, and I hope you guys get an opportunity to check out WWE SummerSlam live as it happens on Peacock. <coughs> it's going to be incredible. The WWE Universal Championship will be on the line. The tag team titles will be on the line. The Raw Tag Team Well, I'm sorry. The Raw Women's Championship will be on the line. The SmackDown Women's Championship will be on the line. Logan Paul to take on The Miz. The Mysterious to take on The Judgment Day. Big surprises take place. And for the first time, SummerSlam will be under the tutelage of Triple H. And also for the first time, SummerSlam is not 
on August. It is on July. How crazy is that? So, guys, be prepared to check out SummerSlam as it happens live on Peacock or on pay-per-view. It should be tremendous. With this SummerSlam report, I'm the main event.
Podcast 5, July 29th to 31st in Nashville, gearing up to be a huge event you don't want to miss. Amazing stage shows and live wrestling with shows from Black Label Pro, GCW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and of course, Ric Flair's Last Match, which has an amazing lineup of talent from all over the wrestling landscape. Headline by Ric Flair's Last Match, and you can follow the story leading up to the match over at Ric Flair's Last Match. We've got new episodes Mondays at 6.05 Eastern. For tickets and more information, go to StarCast.com. July 31st, Nashville, Tennessee. As promised, Ric Flair will walk that aisle one more time. Guaranteed this time to be the last time. So I've spent the last three months of my life getting ready to kick some ass and prove to anybody that's ever doubted who I am, ever been skeptical of why I got to be where I was, and then are skeptical of what I'm doing right now by the pay-per-view. I've been the man my whole life. Just like anyone. I've paid the price. I've blood the sweat. I've cried. I've done it all. July 31st, I'm going to kick someone's ass. And there's 9,000 people that are going to stand up and say, Fuck! Rick Flair is still the man at 73 years old. And try and do what I'm going to do. Which is make people hungry. For real wrestling. Real wrestling. Not shit that's scripted and written down. Not stuff you gotta memorize. Shit that you think about your whole life. You live with it. You bring it. The 31st, walking it out. Everybody will be going, holy shit, here he comes. And it, you know why? It's because I'm a big fucking deal. One nature boy. One man. One legend. Forever. Woo! Okay, so we're almost at the conclusion of this episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast. Before we go ahead and, and, and leave you and everything else like that, we've already got SummerSlam out of the way and everything, so now all that's left is to talk about is the one that's going to be happening tomorrow night. Um, and i got to tell you, this is something that I never thought in a million years would ever happen, but it's going to happen. Now, even though we all thought, we all thought his last match would happen at WrestleMania. The last match, if anybody remembers, it was WrestleMania 24. Ric Flair had his last match with Shawn Michaels, and that was it. All right, but that is in the WWE. His, I don't know what his, I think his actual, it's tough to, because he, you know, he's retired like 95 times, and he and he all of a sudden has a match. I'm talking about Ric Flair, by the way. And all of a sudden, he, he ends up, um, you know, announcing he's going to have a last match. So this is this is incredible. So <clears throat> if you've heard some of the reports that I put together, you know that Ric Flair is supposed to have his last match, right? And we're hoping this is truly the last and final match for Ric Flair. Because with all due respect, I love Ric Flair. I love Ric Flair. I am the nature boy. I am. The 16-time world champion, the greatest of all time, and I am looking to come out walking that aisle for the very last time. That's how he would say it. <laughs> but that's how. Hey, it's Rick Flair in your podcast. <laughs> but anyways, let's look into the card real quick, so that way we can find out exactly what's going to happen here. So this is going to happen. Uh, this is also going to take place over in Nashville. Several matches are going to be taking place here. Uh, first match is a bunkhouse battle royal. 
Uh, Adam Pierce versus Adam Pierce. No, I'm sorry. It's Adam Priest. I'm sorry. Adam Priest and uh, Big Damo versus Brian Myers versus Bully Ray versus Crimson Crowbar Ginger Loco uh, Gringo Loco Gringo uh, Gringo. Anyways, James Storm, the cowboy, James Storm. Um, Cal Harrow, Commander, Ricky, Shane Page, Sin, Bod, He, Who, what the fuck is his last name? Wolfie D, and to be announced. So, a bunkhouse battle royal. How interesting is that? We got a singles matchup right here. It is Ren, Ron, Ron, okay, once again, I must apologize for the fact that I'm reading all sorts of, of stupid English, and I have no idea how all this goes down. Ren Narte, I believe that's correct. Ren Nar Ren Narte taking on you Yi Yimura. I'm pronouncing this correctly here. You Ya. Ermura. I ain't gonna say that ever again. Next match up here, Davy Boy Smith, Davy Boy Smith Jr. taking on the artist formerly known as Carrion Cross, known as now Killer Cross. Interesting is that. Tag match right here, the Von Erics of Marshall Von Eric and Ross Von Eric to take on the Briscoes of Jay Briscoe and Mark Briscoe. Should be a great tag match right here. The American Wolves have reunited for this one time. Once I find it funny that these two are together when they were just against each other. From this past Slammiversary, I'm talking about Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards. And they're going to take on the Motor City Machine Guns of Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin. How fucking badass is that? The Rock and Roll, uh, the Rock and Roll Express. And, and trust me, I'm going to tell you, this is kind of crazy. <laughs> the Rock and Roll Express of Kerry Morton and K Ricky Morton. No Robert Gibson. How the fuck can you call it the Rock and Roll Express when it's not really the Rock and Roll Express? And they're taking on the Four Horsemen. And I'm not talking about Telly Blanchard or Arn Anderson or Ric Flair or any of the old timers that you remember a long time ago. I'm talking about the Four Horsemen of Brian Pillman Jr. and Brock Anderson. I know what some people are thinking. Who? Brian Pillman? He's alive still? No, it's actually Brian Pillman's son. And Brock Anderson, of course, is Arn Anderson's son. So you know how that shit rolls. Okay. Another one is a, it looks like it's a four corners match. Uh, Alan Angels versus Jonathan Gresham versus Komosuki Takashita. And Nick Wayne involved in this match. A four-way match. What's the difference between a four-way and a four-corners match? The same fucking deal. Well, anyways. Uh, the Bandino taking on the Laredo Kid. Um, Ray Phoenix and Taurus. Ah, Lucha. A Lucha match. Not bad. Not bad at all. Next one is a three-way match for the Impact Wrestling Knockouts World Championship. Jordan Grace to defend against Deanna Perrazzo and Rachel Ellery. Yeah, as in Paul Ellery's daughter. Yes, that's going to take place. Singles match for the Impact Wrestling World Championship. Jacob Fatu 
taking on the champion, Josh Alexander, the walking weapon. Oh, and I got some news, by the way. Uh, I found out Jacob Fatu, who is also in MLW, he is coming over here to Corpus Christi on August 19th. Uh, he's going to be playing. He's going to be over at the Valencio. Uh, the Gulf Coast Wrestling Alliance is going to have him over there. So that's incredible. When I found out about that, uh, I think it's going to ha- It's August 19th. It's on a Friday. It's going to take place at the Valencio. Okay. Before I get to the next match, and we know what the next match is. Now, this is not official. I haven't decided yet. I may do it. But the main event may possibly appear at the GCWA event. I may be there for the August 19th event. Nothing's etched in stone yet. I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but we will see. <clears throat> I have not been to a GCW, uh, GCWA. I have not been to the Gulf Coast Wrestling Alliance show since 2018. That was the last time, by the way, when I took an autograph with Cody Rhodes. Remember that? <laughs> and, of course, we're down to the last match. Ric Flair and Andrade Elio to take on Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. That's going to be what takes place at the Ric Flair's last match. Now, <clears throat> I I don't know exactly what to expect in this match. I really don't. Now, <laughs> there was there was this comment that I heard that uh, I think Charlotte Flair, Charlotte Flair was the one that mentioned, and I quote, that Ric Flair was going to do a dive off the top rope or something like that. Was supposed to do some sort of off the top rope maneuver. maneuver and Charlotte Flair shut it down, told him, no, it's not going to happen. Now, and listen, <clears throat> I understand that Charlotte is looking out for her dad. I understand that completely. That's her father. That's the nature boy. It's Ric Flair. He's a 16-time world champion. I'm the greatest to ever live. I am the fucking shit. And that is what you have to understand. I'm Ric Flair. I am the 16-time world champion. And there's nothing that any of you pencil-like geeks can do in this fucking ring the way Ric Flair, woo, can do it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, God, I'm already I'm already Ric Flair pumped up right now. Woo! Okay, anyways, um, I'm not sure how this is going to end up. I really don't because I have no, I have no earthly idea of how this will all work. If this is Ric Flair's match, if this is it indeed, the finish definitely definitely needs to go with Ric Flair. You definitely need to have Ric Flair win this match, just like that. Now, how all this will affect everybody, I don't know. It's um, pretty incredible. So, yeah, I think the last match should end up with Ric Flair and Andrade to win against over double j uh who will J- double j will be uh, and that's funny he's going to be pulling du- double duty because he's going to be the special guest referee over at SummerSlam on saturday which is later on to- which is later on tonight and then tomorrow he's going to be uh jay lethal's tag team partner so this should be incredible um long history between these men 
these men know each other quite, quite well. And um, let's hope that this is really Ric Flair's match. Now, <clears throat> on a side note, because I know everyone's going to be watching uh, the Ric Flair last match event. It's going to be great. Now, let me say this because I can, because, you know, I, I'm i a huge fan of Ric Flair. Any, anybody that knows me that knows this. I became a wrestling fan because of Ric Flair. But not just Ric Flair, of Hulk Hogan as well. I've got to add him to the list because Hogan and Ric Flair were the two biggest reasons why I dig professional wrestling. See, this modern day may have its, its fair of good, talented athletes, but none of these athletes will ever compare to men like Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. Now, there are men not just like Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. You've got your Bruiser Brodies. You got your Bruno San Martinos. You got your Nick Bonkwinkles. You've got some of the best wrestlers walking the face of this earth. In my era of wrestling, my era was real. My era meant something. My era made sense. We didn't have to go through the dirt sheets. We didn't have to go through social media. We didn't have to go through any of the stuff to know about what was going on in the world of professional wrestling. We were living for the moment. We live for the moment every single time. Now, I live for the moment every single time with Ric Flair. I've been a huge fan of Ric Flair since the 80s. He was the biggest deal. Many fans have said that Ric Flair was better than Hulk Hogan. Now, in the 80s, a long time ago as a kid, I went against it because I was a Hulkamaniac. But when I got older and when I understood what Ric Flair was about, Ric Flair understood the element of sports entertainment, but he was a professional wrestler. He was one of the greatest professional wrestlers to ever step foot in the ring. This man became a rookie. This man almost died in a plane crash. His career ended. And there was no way for this man to become the world champion. But he proved the doubters and he proved the critics wrong. This man been through a lot of hard time in his career. Ric Flair is a man's man. Ric Flair does, doesn't come out wearing the $20,000 suits, coming out in $10,000 robes, coming out and showing the world he's the man. Walking around with the 10 pounds of gold. He walks in as a champion. He looks like a champion. He comes in as a champion. He's respected and known worldwide. He's in the same level with Michael Jordan. He's in the same level with Tom Brady. He's in the same level with some of the best athletes walking today. And Ric Flair has won every championship known to man. He's been the world champion. He's been the WWE champion, the Intercontinental champion, the United States champion, tag team champion. He won the Royal Rumble. He has headlined WrestleMania. 
He's headlined Starcade. He is the epitome of what the NWA is all about. He is the epitome of what wrestling really was supposed to be. Now we flat fast forward. Ric Flair had his last match at WrestleMania 24. He was out of the WWE and then went over to TNA Wrestling. Then he was done with wrestling. Now his wrestling critique is passed along to his daughter, Charlotte Flair. And Charlotte, you can hate the woman, you can love the woman, but you can respect her because she is exactly like her father. Just as good, just as talented, and as bringing the Flair name up to height it's never been to. Now, some people could say she doesn't deserve that. I got news for you. She deserves more to be a flair than any person alive today. You can hate her, you can love her, but you have to respect the shit she does. Doesn't matter about backstage politics or whatever gripe they had of Charlotte Flair. If you can't beat Charlotte Flair, then you don't deserve to be in this business at all. Just like when people said, if you can't beat Ric Flair, you don't deserve to be the man. You don't deserve to be the champion. You don't deserve to be in this business at all. Ric Flair gave me a reason to love Sting. Ric Flair gave me a reason to throw up the symbol of excellence in the Four Horsemen. Ric Flair gave me a reason to love this business. He don't decide he's going to cut promos because he can. He decides he's going to cut promos because they're real. And that's the thing that's wrong with professional wrestling because nothing is real anymore. Because others choose to laugh at this business and say that this business sucks. Hey, it's only fun and games when someone like Ric Flair will tell you, go fuck yourself. I'm here to make money and I'm here to bleed, sweat, and pay the price. I'm here to sell out arenas and have people remember me for what I am and not remember me as some fucking clown. That's what Ric Flair is. You can call him a crazy old man, but you know what? There was another person that was a crazy old man that kept going all around. You know who he was? I'll tell you who it was. One of Ric Flair's greatest opponents in Terry Funk. That hardcore bastard came in there and did what he could. Hell, he went ahead and said he quit in front of Ric Flair and shook his hand at the Clash of Champions years ago. But Terry Funk wouldn't go away. He would still do exactly the stuff Ric Flair has done for many years. And Ric Flair... He is the real goat of professional wrestling. He is one of the last remaining individuals that I love in this business. Ric Flair is the man. Nobody deserves that title more than he does. So many people, no wrestling 
because of guys like Hogan and Flair. So many rappers want to be Ric Flair. So many football players want to be Ric Flair. So many baseball players want to be Ric Flair. So many athletes alone want to be Ric Flair. They want to be that limousine-riding, jet-flying, kiss-stealing, wheeling-dealing son of a gun because that is who he is. The coolest thing about Ric Flair is he doesn't come off like a character. He comes off as himself. That is who he is. He's not playing some role of a movie. He is who he is. If you see him at the bar throwing up 32 kamikaze shots, it's Ric Flair. You see him at the bar dancing on top of a fucking stage and having a good time with everyone else, it's Ric Flair. If you see him in the ring performing in front of thousands of fans to millions of fans all over the world and saying, woo, and doing all the stuff he does, that is Ric Flair. That's who he is. And there will never, ever be another man like Ric Flair. And his influence is around everywhere. The only thing I don't want to happen just yet is the moment when he is no longer around. But I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the now. Tomorrow night, Ric Flair is going to have one more match. One more match. And it's going to be up against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Jeff Jarrett, a man who respects Ric Flair. Jeff Jarrett, a third-generation superstar in his own right. Jeff Jarrett, who has held many championships in his career. Jeff Jarrett, who was a part of the Four Horsemen at one time. Respected by Ric Flair and knows who Ric Flair is. Jeff Jarrett went on to become his own man. And he became a damn good man. And he held on to that same championship that Ric Flair held on to. And now... Jeff Jarrett is looking to establish himself as the man that beat Ric Flair on his last match. But the question is, can he do it? And Jay Lethal, a young man with all the talent, all the potential in the world, former Ring of Honor world champion, former Ring of Honor world television champion, former X Division champion. He is definitely the future of professional wrestling. He is a man that went from being a clown to being one of the best professional wrestlers, one of the best athletes going today. And he's teaming up with Jeff Jarrett to take on Ric Flair and his son-in-law, Andrade. Andrade, who is a second to third generation superstar in professional wrestling. NXT champion, United States champion, and currently a star in AEW. 
Andrade is one hell of an athlete. I've seen what he's done in the ring, and with Ric Flair under his wing, he will learn a lot more. And you know what the coolest thing about Ric Flair is now with Andrade? I can actually say Ric Flair's fucking Mexican. Yes, he is. Oh, why would you say that? Oh, he's with Andrade. Oh, that's it? Well, yeah, what do you expect? Well, you've never seen Ric Flair take shots at tequila? Are you out of your fucking mind? It's Ric Flair. But regardless of how all this goes down, regardless of the way it goes, whether Ric Flair wins or Ric Flair loses, I want to say, as a fan, as a fan of Ric Flair, thank you. Thank you for giving me all the memories to think about. Thank you for the first time I saw you. Thank you for the first time seeing Ric Flair on television when he took on Sting. Thank you for Ric Flair when he came to Corpus Christi years ago with the Four Horsemen. Clash of the Champions 10. Thank you, Ric Flair, for telling Jim Hurd to go fuck himself and take the championship over to the WWE. Thank you, Ric Flair, for becoming the biggest talk in South Park Middle School. Because at that time, all people could ever talk about was Ric Flair walking into the Royal Rumble number three. And then all of a sudden, he outlasted 30, 29 other superstars and walk out with the WWE Championship for the very first time, and that's all anybody could talk about in South Park. Ric Flair walking out with the WWF Championship. I thank Ric Flair for having a great match with the Macho Man Randy Savage. I thank Ric Flair for having the greatest match in Bash of the Beach history in WCW when he finally took on Hulk Hogan. I thank Ric Flair for cutting some of the greatest promos ever created by men, including one promo that sticks with me all this time, 1998. When you got back with the Four Horsemen and you told everybody, is this what you call a great moment in TV? It's wrong. Because this is real. This is not bought and paid for. It's a real life situation. Just like the night in Columbia, South Carolina, when you looked at me, tears in my eyes, saying, God, that's good TV. It was real. Arn Anderson passed the torch. It was real, damn it. You think Sting was crying? in a dressing room like I was on TV if it wasn't real? This man, my best friend, is one of the greatest performers to ever live, and you, and referring to Eric Bischoff, you squashed it in one night. Then you came on the phone and told me to span the horsemen, they're dead.
to span the horsemen. Me? You know what? I looked at myself in the mirror the next day, and I saw a pathetic figure that gave up and quit. And for that, I owe you, the wrestling fans, I owe these guys, the four horsemen being, an apology because it won't happen again. And then I remember when I saw Eric Bischoff coming out, and then you told him, you're an overbearing asshole. That's what you are. You are an obnoxious, you're an obnoxious, overbearing asshole. And I remember the very last line, the very last not line that Ric Flair told Eric Bischoff that night on WCW Dominion Nitro when he said, you are a liar, you're a cheat, you're a scam, you are a no good son of a bitch. And that crowd went completely insane when he said that. And then his last part where he said, fire me. I'm already fired. I thank Ric Flair for that promo that I remember very well for a long time. And I thank Ric Flair for every match he's done, for winning every championship in the WWE, winning every championship in WCW, making the NWA World Heavyweight title mean something. Ric Flair is the biggest reason why I love this business. And there's never going to be another Ric Flair. There will never be another kiss-stealing, wheeling-dealing, limousine-riding, jet-flying son-of-a-gun like Ric Flair. And I know that most of you will get a chance to see Ric Flair one more time. And it all happens Live tomorrow night, right after SummerSlam, it's Ric Flair's last match. We've talked about all the matches. We've talked about everything that went down. Now it all comes down to Ric Flair's last match. And on a personal note, Ric Flair, I hope this is your last match. And I hope you could put this to rest. Because I know it's extremely tough for someone of your age, of 73 years old, a 73-year-old man coming into that ring, doing what he does. You know what? You're going to get a chance to prove a lot of people wrong. (laughs) You're going to get a chance to go out there and do what you've always done for the past couple of years, and that is to entertain, perform, and give us the chops we deserve to hear every time we hear a chop. Everyone goes woo, and we know because it's you. Every time you come in strutting that style as only you can, you've done it, and we love you for it. Ric Flair from the bottom of the main event's heart, from the bottom of every wrestling fan listening to this podcast and every wrestling fan getting a chance to check out WrestleMania weekend, I say thank you. Ric Flair... You mean the world to everyone. Make this last match the best. And you will be who you are. And as you always said, to be the man, you got to beat the man 
and let's see if they beat you. guys so that's going to do it for this edition of this episode of the main event talk podcast we hope you have enjoyed it and uh it's going to be a very very interesting weekend SummerSlam weekend we're going to be checking out wwe SummerSlam later on tonight and then of course rick flair's final match should take place uh tomorrow on pay-per-view and the main event's going to be looking forward to checking that out as well and also a uh, big shout out to tony gomez as well don't forget to check out the tony gomez show as you can on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, or whatever it is you find your favorite podcast and also don't forget uh there's gonna be several shows happening with headbangers pit and fistful of metal and other things in that particular nature the main event will definitely be giving you some information on that on the main event talk podcast in the next few weeks to come and uh, I, and I must apologize for, I think I've released maybe, what, one or two um, uh, commercials of Rich, Rich's Billiards and everything. So, and you know how that goes. Uh, there'll be a point in time when the main event does come back to Rich's Billiards, and I, I'll be back soon when I can. But right now, i got to focus on SummerSlam weekend and everything else like that. So, 
As always, follow the main event on Twitter, twitter.com slash at main event player. You can also follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash at main event player. Go to my Facebook page and like Main Event Talk 2.0 for all the latest info going on, not just for SummerSlam, but also for the last match with Ric Flair. And also not to mention the fact that there's going to be several other big events that are going to be happening on SummerSlam weekend, so be prepared for that at Facebook.com slash at Real Main Event Talk 2.0. That's Facebook.com slash at Real Main Event Talk 2.0. And if you want to be my friend on Facebook, as I always state, proceed at your own fucking risk. All right? Proceed at your woo own fucking risk and make no mistake about it. SummerSlam weekend is here. SummerSlam weekend is all upon us. We can't wait to check out the WWE Championship match between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. What can't the Nature Boy cannot wait to see the Usos taking on the Street Profits? And I don't care much. For the special guest referee, Jeff Jarrett. And make no mistake, Jeff, you may be double J. But when the nature boy gets his hands on you, you'll be double or nothing. However, Rose, Ronda Rousey is going to eat Liv Morgan alive and take the SmackDown Women's Championship. And to the supposed man, you may be the big time. But Bianca Belair is going to take you for a ride, Becky. And make no mistake about it, the EST of WWE is walking out with the Raw Women's Championship. And you will be forced to drop from being the big time to being the big L. And Austin Theory may think he's in there with some litest loser. And Bobby Lashley. But Bobby Lashley is the man. Bobby Lashley is the United States champion. Bobby Lashley is what makes a man look good. And make no mistake about it. Theory, you're young. You're talented. You're one of the best. You have all the potential in the world. But the thing is, Bobby Lashley is a world champion. Bobby Lashley is the best at what he does. And make no mistake about it, if you somehow manage to walk away with that United States Championship currently held on to by Bobby Lashley, I'll be very impressed. Because Bobby Lashley is holding on to a very, very prestigious championship held on to by me, Ric Flair, Harley Race, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, and others in that particular nature. So, Austin, be prepared for the worst beating of your life. And it doesn't matter how I feel about Logan Paul. Logan Paul is a mega star, but he's in there up against The Miz. And make no mistake, The Miz can style and profile and do all the things he can. And Logan Paul understand The Miz is the school. The Miz knows it all. 
and be careful with what you do because this is not the boxing world. This is professional wrestling. And understand this, Logan Paul. Like I said, you may be a celebrity, but you're up against The Miz. God, I can't believe I said that. And then it all comes down. It all comes down to Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. It all comes down to the head of the table. It all comes down to the tribal chief. Alongside up against the beast incarnate. Up against the greatest big man to ever step foot inside a professional wrestling ring. And make no mistake about it, Roman Reigns, this is the best Roman Reigns I've seen in a long time. And with Paul Heyman by his side, he may be a weasel. He may be everything that he is. But Paul's a smart man and knows how this business rolls. And he'll take you on a ride. And it doesn't matter in this last man standing match who walks in. Doesn't matter if it's Roman Reigns. Doesn't matter if it's Brock Lesnar. The bottom line is someone is going to walk in. They're going to bleed. They're going to sweat. And they're going to pay the price. And at the end of the night, someone is going to walk out world champion. When all this is set and done. And make no mistake about it. This is the last time. This is the last time for me. The last time I walk in to this ring. The last time I walk in. Up against you, Jeff Jarrett. And up against you, Jay Lethal. And here's the thing. When all this is said and done, win, lose, or draw. I'm still going to be the fucking man. I'm still going to be the biggest deal walking in professional wrestling. And until the main event, sorry, until Ric Flair is dead and gone, I'll still be a big deal. I'll still be the man. And there's going to be a lot of wrestlers trying to be me, and they can't. They don't know how, and they don't know when. But mark my words. This Sunday, July 31st, Double J, Jay Lethal, you both are going to bleed, sweat, and pay the price at the heads of Andrade and the Kiss Stealing, Wheeling Dealing, Woo, Limousine Rotten, Jet Flying Son of a Gun, Ric Flair is coming one more time. One last ride. One last match. One last time. Let's make it good. Woo! Why? Because I can. And I want to. Any questions? Enough said. SummerSlam weekend is tonight. My last match tomorrow night. SummerSlam weekend will never, ever be the same 
again. Team, but every great team needs a theme. Here it is for the good, the bad, and the ugly. 